Ho, 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 my friends. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up on this festive fun bag, the one and only Tom Hanks tells us all about his starring role in the new film A Man Called Otto. U2 legend Bono turns the pages of his new autobiography, Surrender. 40 songs, one story. The always hilarious Joe Brand makes us laugh with A Christmas Carol with an E. Sky Max's reimagining of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And the multi-talented Rob Brydon spills the beans on the Smeds and the Smooths airing on BBC One this Christmas Day. All of that and so much more to come, so Vassos, kick things off and tell us who's first. Uh, here's Tom Max, have you got an intro? I don't have an intro. I was, I was told no intro, please. I, right. could, I could sort of make it up on the on the hoof. <laughs> OK, don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it's only Tom Hanks. Why would we want to do a massive intro for him? He's only the biggest star in the world. The first question, what's the best question you've been asked doing these interviews and I'll just ask that when you you're literally like the best question yeah. you can have about this film about a man called Otto oh you know what I would say it would be about Pittsburgh the city of Pittsburgh you yeah. know Pittsburgh is like I ran into the uh, singer uh, Richard Hawley yeah he yeah. just was it's amazing said, fantastic I love him and he says that Sheffield <laughs> is the most beautiful city in the world I agree that's the way P- Pittsburghers feel about Pittsburgh yeah. <laughs> There is no reason to leave Pittsburgh. Yeah. It is a great, it's got beautiful uh, topography. It's got the three rivers. It's got vibrant neighborhoods absolutely everywhere. I've, I've made, honestly, I've worked there twice. One is, you know, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which yeah. is, you don't know who Fred Rogers is. But a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. neighborhood. That's right. And here is another movie about a Pittsburgh neighborhood. It's about a street and neighbors that go on, yeah. and the good and the bad goes on. So I so said the best questions are, you know, no one is actually asking, so you can. You can just say, <laughs> why Pittsburgh? And I say, because Pittsburgh is one of the one of the uh, best neighborhoods you could possibly I live in. I love it. Just like Sheffield. I love it. Right, okay, so... I had two questions that I was going to start the interview off with. Right. And when my kids aren't sure about an answer, they put an imaginary answer in one hand oh. and an imaginary answer in the other. Wow. So I've got And you have to choose? I've got two opening questions for okay, you. Okay, all right. And one is in one hand uh, and one is in the other hand. All right. Okay. Go no, that one. Okay, this one is. Yeah. Based on the film A Man Called Otto and its narrative, can a person be too in love for their own good? Yes, they can be. And um, it, if it is... Solo, if you never admit it, if you never bring it out, if you ever never, if you never say, by the way, I love you. (laughs) If you never, if you don't have the courage or the faith in order to, in order to um, utter those words, it's a, it's a life sentence. It's like being, it's like being in prison, a prisoner of love. They write songs about such things. You have to get it out there, but and again, you have to do it in the right way because otherwise they'll they'll call Scotland Yard on you. You know, you know you've got to do that in the right way. So that's also Otto's story at the beginning. He seems like he he was. I don't know how much we give away. You're the expert at this because you know what we want to say and what we don't want to say. He he's he's now, you know, too in love for his own good. His heart is so full yeah. of somebody else. There's no room left for himself or anyone else, which is extraordinarily unhealthy. Yeah, there's also no room for the unfairness and the bitterness that comes along with the world. And that's tough because you've got to roll with this stuff. You have no control over what's going to happen tomorrow. All you can do is the future. And while Otto is a married man and the great love of his life is with him, he's able to do that, to live only in the present. Yeah. He's reminded of it again and again and again and again. And when he, he is alone and uh, he's now a, a, a 
He's lost the great love of his life. He forgets how to do that. He doesn't have the skills how to do that. And that means he's lost, he's lost not only he's lost faith in the future, but it also means he gets no joy from the present day. And and that that's a that's a terrible way to look. And he, so he's lost himself because he's too attached to what was and what is no longer. Mm-hmm. And when you're attached to that and that's there, you're half of something. But when it's not there, there's nothing to be half of. Anything. You know, you can make these jokes about, you know, sappy, you know, romances, you know, oh, you completely, you complete me. There's a line I thought that when I first read it, I said, nah, that's a little on the nose. But then when we got around to doing it, I said, no, that actually is a great way to describe love and partnership in one's life is like, I see things in black and white. She saw things in color. And without her, I've got none in my life. Best line of I the get film. that. I get that yeah. completely. Yeah. Best line of the film. But when, when lines jump out at you, Atticus Finch is, you know, at the moment, To Kill a Mockingbird. My favorite line in that, in the West End, well, in the book anyway, is um, trying to do the right thing is the right thing. Yeah. And you, sometimes one line can define a piece. And that's pretty much it. With this one, I, I would say, yeah, my life was black and white, and she was the color. I think it's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, the so. other one is, is you are not an idiot. The, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest compliment you can get from a man called Otto. It says, "Look, yeah, I've been watching it, everything. All right, I've I've observed you, and there are idiots in this world. You are not an idiot. Oh, oh my lord, that's that's triple A. That's the best. That's the best grade you could get. This movie, A Man Called Otto, comes out. In cinemas in the UK and across Europe from January the 6th. Um, we're going to play this interview out on our last show before we break up for Christmas. Oh, oh lovely. Which is the 23rd, next Friday. So it's Christmas Eve, Eve, my favourite day, wow. day of the year. That's so Christmas great. Eve used to be my favourite day because Christmas Day follows. But now Christmas Eve, Eve is better because Christmas Eve follows Christmas Eve, Eve. Yes, yes. So, so um, we're going to be all ready for Christmas, all set for Christmas. How Christmas does it get in the Hanks household? Um we are suffering this year because, number one, all of our grandkids are busy. You know, every, everybody's essentially jammed at this time of year. No fault of their own, as are <laughs> we. Because here it is. You and I are talking, let's just say, you know, two weeks before Christmas. Yep. We've been on the road now. It is going to be very – we are going to get home with uh, – we'll be home on the 18th. That is – literally, that's what – that's seven days before yep. Christmas. Yep. Actually, only six. Monday. Because Christmas Eve is Christmas. But Christmas Eve day is devoured by all the preparations for getting together. So we're really only going to have five days to gear up towards Christmas. And that's that that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a rush. Well, whatever you're doing, have the best time. You are the best at what you do. I love you so oh, much. Very kind. Thanks so much. Now understand, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna set my alarm for 3:45. I'm yep. gonna start. I'm gonna start parking a mile. What four miles? Four away? miles from work. From the office. Baker you, Street to London Bridge. You actually run it? Promise. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Do I'm, I not? Do I not? Um, no, you look fantastic. Just that at the age of 66, my knees and hips and back have, been, have told me, me to stop running. No. Now, I will walk very fast, okay. but I will not get on one of those scooters. I will not do that. Okay. I believe the purpose of moving through town is to use your legs and the benefits that go and on. To look up. Yes. Yeah. Right. Except the beauty. Lots of love. Great right? seeing you. Marvelous. All the best. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He is a musical giant, a rock and roll colossus who sold, get this everybody, over 160 million albums worldwide. His equally weighty, long-awaited autobiography, Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story, is out now. So please welcome proper legend, actual Bono! Okay, so we're saying good morning to Bono, but we could have been saying good morning to Steinvich von Heichen, couldn't we, Bono? 
I yeah, I've been called a lot of things <laughs> over the years, Chris. Some of them by you. <laughs> Who called you Steinvich von Heyschen, Um for how long? And what else did he call you before he named you Bonavox? Yeah, well, I can promise you this. He was not a Latin scholar, was our cookie. He's my best friend, still is. Um, I was three years old. He was four. And we had a sort of street gang into our teens. And I had many names. And one of them, yes, was Steinvich. Van Heysen, Ole, Biscuit Barrels, Bang, 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 or something like that. And I'm very pleased that I uh, qualified to Bono. Oh, even that is tricky in some quarters. Yeah, so how did he, I mean, for people that don't know, you've told the story before, but it's in the book and it's a cracking part. Well, it's a brilliant book, by the way, but we'll get into that in a moment or two. Mm -hmm. why, why did he, why did he sort of, why did you end up with Bono and you've stuck with Bono? You know, it's, you know, you, the theory is, is that you, we gave each other um, names, the sound of our head, like our vibe. And so the edge was never going to be David Evans. Do you know what I mean? And um, Googie sort of looked like the sound Googie makes when it comes out of your mouth. I, I, this is hard to explain, Chris. <laughs> but when we, we, were, we were children, we were mere children. But the really significant thing is, I suppose, yes. is that we decided to be called by those names when we went out into the public. That was the, you know, because it implies a kind of intimacy with your audience, which is nice. And some people will occasionally come up to me and say, hey, Paul, how are you doing, Paul? As if, you know, that's getting close. And uh, the last person to call me Paul was uh, my dad. And um, he's dead. So don't call me Paul. Yeah, it's definitely Bono. There's so much that I'd love you to read out, Bono, but you're not here, so it'll be too difficult. So I'm just going to read stuff out and ask you to comment on it, if you don't mind. A beautiful passage here. Maybe Bob didn't take me too seriously as a teenager because he could see I was doing a great job of that myself, but I can still hear his voice in my head, especially when I sing. I thought he was standing in my way, but perhaps he just wanted solid ground for his son. And there wasn't much of that in Dublin in the 70s. Bob thought that to dream was to be disappointed and he didn't want that for me. I got to thank him for his patience. I never got to apologise for being such a prick, though, until he was gone. I mean, that is right out there, isn't it? That made, that brought tears to my eyes because um, it says so much. It's one paragraph. There's lots of beautiful prose in the book. There's lots of poetry in the book. But that is, you were just telling it like it is. That I love that passage. Yeah, I was thinking about my father just as we came on air because... I was listening to your London gay um, chorus. They were just these extraordinary voices. And I was thinking, <laughs> my dad would have said, yeah, they, they can really sing. And uh, my dad's big line with me is put down, which was actually quite accurate as well as quite funny, was he says, you are a baritone. Who thinks he's a tenor? <laughs> and, and I thought the other reason I was thinking about him as I watched the snowflakes in your studio was he worked in the post office. And so at Christmas, he'd be a bit grumpy. And, but he did get me a job as a, uh, I worked in the post office delivering the mail one Christmas. It's hard work, that. No, I get it. I get it completely. Now, your dad was qualified, because for people who don't know, your dad was qualified to, to make a, a calibration of, of your voice, your tone, because he was a, an amazing singer. Um, and I didn't know about any of this at all. Yeah, he, he was beautiful. And, you know, I've been, to tell people that the book is out, I've been doing these little shows, uh, the band called them Bono's Half Man Show. And um, I've been taking it around and I kind of, I kind of inhabit my father's character um, on stage. I sort of become him. And I have to say that I always 
loved my father, but now I'm starting to even like him even more because his puttans were funny. And and he was he was a funny man and there was mischief in him. And I talk in the book about meeting him in Finnegan's our local and just sitting there on a Sunday and kind of not talking to each other. And I had a very it's not that unusual relationship with my father. I think a lot of males have difficulties sometimes with their with the father. I, I try to be a good father for my kids, but it's harder if you didn't have that great relationship yourself. So I'm working on it, and I've got beautiful kids, and they they, they so far so good. Before you go, Bono, uh, let's just give the book a shout out again. It's brilliant, this book. Honestly, I know you're on the phone, but I'm saying it when you're not you're on the line, whatever. Uh, it's just a great read. It explains so much. It's like, you know, it's like a companion. It's it's like a, especially if you're of a certain age, it's like, okay, it's a bit of a mirror. Am I reflecting this? Am I, am I, uh, uh, can I identify with this? It's fantastic is what it is. Um, you allude to the fact uh, towards the end of the book that, when you learned the Lord's Prayer by heart for the first time when you're nine or ten, you couldn't help singing it. Would you end this interview by singing us the Lord's Prayer? Would you give that to us for Christmas, please? I, I, it's, it's a melody that I only know. Um, I don't know where I heard it, and I can't um, do it for you because I, it's something that's so, um, I only reach for it when I'm, really anxious and when i'm you know when i'm having those moments where i i'm just i'm I'm lost so i i don't i couldn't pull it out for you but i will tell you that it's 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 a powerful prayer and that i do i think about every line of it so i go you know i go oh father like what's that what's father mean and some people you know the force of love behind the universe is going to be a mother okay uh, who art in heaven, what's heaven? Well, I think about what heaven is for me. And then, you know, thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we should try and bring that heaven onto earth. And that's kind of the way I go through it. But I sing the melody, but it's, I don't even know if we'd be there if I tried. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's a, it's a, but it's, yes, I do mention that in the book. And these prayers are, are, are powerful for me and and look a lot of these songs are prayers for me anyway so well god bless you bono thanks for being here today thank you chris thank you the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio she's swapping viennese wells for a twist on dickens while bringing her usual joy to the world she stars as the ghost of christmas present in christmas carol the big new sky max movie on christmas eve so you can keep your Gucci, Versace and Louis Vuitton <laughs> because there ain't no brand like Joe Brand. Very good, Vassos. Hello. Very good. <laughs> and he's been ill as well. I mean, I think that's quite, that's quite yeah, good. Yeah, that's wonderful, Vassos. Yes, well done, Vassos. <laughs> um, Joe, welcome and well done. Thank you. You haven't seen this film. I haven't seen We've this. We've all seen it. Joe, seriously, this is a good show. It's Thank a great show. you. I'm glad. I, yeah, you get one go at the uh, screening and I couldn't go the night it was on so yeah missed well, it. I have the link if you want to borrow it to watch it today or, or maybe you're going to save it so we're talking about Christmas Carol with an E and there's a reason for that. Christmas Eve 8pm Skymax also available on now on Christmas Eve and so um, who is your Carol with an E? Uh, our Carol with an E is Saran Jones who's great yes. anyway and but 
particularly great in this. And it's obviously a version of the original <laughs> by Charles Dickens, which really is um, genuinely one of my favourite books. I've always loved it. And um, But Saran plays Carol as the main character and it's set in the modern day and it follows roughly the plot of the original uh, but obviously in a modern setting and for some reason they asked me to be a ghost yeah so you and acting we'll get onto that in a moment or two oh dear let's not but bill murray scrooge so he was a sort of high flyer back in the day i think that, you know, that was sort of an 80s 90s version this is our, almost our version of that i suppose because she's a high flyer in the business world isn't she? that's right yes and she's scroogey you know very much so um, in in the sense that she's kind of cynical and it doesn't really matter if you kind of take people's money off them and sell them rubbish and that sort of thing. Um, but obviously the ghosts will come and visit her and go, Mm-mm, look what might happen to in you. In your wildest dreams, right, um, you know, and you don't get to live out your dreams unless you have them in the first place. So dreaming is cool, I think. Daydreaming is really... I used to get told off for it at school, daydreaming. I think, well, how am I going to have dreams if I don't daydream? Um, Did you ever think you'd be starring as the ghost of Christmas present alongside award-winning actress Saran Jones? Yeah. You did? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's weird for me because I don't do many acting jobs at all. Right. Hardly ever, in fact. So I'm not kind of au fait with that world particularly. Right. So I was I was delighted to be asked. In fact, initially I said no because I was quite nervous about it and I thought, surely there's someone that can do it better like everyone in the country. Um, but they they persisted, which is obviously very flattering. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic thing to do. So let's, let's, um, let's tell it like it is. So the ghosts of Christmas past are more common wise and by the way an extremely convincing Morecambe and Wise as well yeah they're, they're great and they, they they've done the Morecambe and Wise thing for a while they in fact did a show in the West End I think which was a huge hit um, some years ago who are these Morecambe and Wise gentlemen who are they I knew you were going to ask me that and I'm going to get Vassos to they're, they're John T. Stevens and Ian Ashpatel. Oh, they might be Morecambe Wise coming back. I thought I actually thought it was Morecambe and Wise. I thought, how have they done this? You can't spot the join. I mean, they're so I convincing. I know, they are incredible. Terrifyingly brilliant. And what's what's nice about them being the um, ghosts of Christmas past is, of course, you know, at Christmas, Morecambe Wise was the most watched show, wasn't it? Exactly. So they're a nod it's back. so clever. Yes, it is. It's very clever. And, of course, Saran comes into the scene. Scroogey Saran ends up on the show. She does indeed. (laughs) The Christmas show is hilarious. I I love, I love, you've shown me the wrong Christmases. No, we've shown you the right Christmases, but not necessarily in the the right right order. order. Yeah, well, obviously, for people that are elderly, you're not Vassos. Chris and I, we're edging (laughs) that way. Definitely. Um, There are so many kind of iconic moments um, in Morecambe Ways that you just remember phrases from or scenes from. And yeah, they have brought those back, which is brilliant. And Morecambe and Wise were hilarious. Of course they were, inarguably. I, why do you think they were hilarious as a comedian? I think they were hilarious because they were, they were grown-ups being daft and, and grown-ups aren't supposed to be daft. They're not allowed to be daft. No, that's right. That, to me, they were always like two kids, really, yeah. ha- having a laugh. And there was a real innocence and naivety about them yeah. um, where everyone else kind of looking from outside went, Oh, mm, you know, that's very odd and strange. For example, there were loads of scenes with them in bed together, yeah. you know, as, as if they lived in a house together. And, and, and yet it was just so sweet 
Yeah, and, was, and they were so such good fun together. Yeah, harmless, you know, only ever um, sort of uh, gaining and garnering humour at their own expense or from other people who were in on the joke. It was that thing, wasn't it? You know, and if you were asked to be taking the mickey out by Morgan Wise, it was an honour, wasn't it? Indeed. Absolutely was. And also, I think, you know, their roles... Was, uh, Eric was obviously absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and Ernie, I think it's really hard to play a straight man in a duo like that without sort of wandering into like trying to be as funny because yeah. it must be quite frustrating oh god and it happened all the time didn't it it was Abigail Stello, uh, Laurel and Hardy um, we also had uh, uh, Little and Large here as well all very similar that's why Anton Deck are so unique because you've got two, two funny men and it, yeah. that does work doesn't it it does work which is sort of impossible to pull off really yes I know I never wanted to be in a double act did I you ever would... come close to a double act. Not really. No. no. I would have sabotaged it, I think. Right, so um, fast forward, the ghost of Christmas future is Nish Kumar. Mm-hmm. And you are the ghost of Christmas present. And your first scene in the show, because you haven't seen it, so I will tell you, but your first scene on the telly, you know this. Is it? Is it the toilets? <laughs> no, you're on the telly. So, so in the... Oh, I'm on the telly in the show. Oh, right, yeah. OK, yeah. So there's a, little, uh, there's a little suggestion that you might pop up later again because they're watching you on the telly. Oh, OK, no, I didn't do <laughs> <know> that. <laughs> I love it. Sitting I love it. here in complete ignorance. I love it when we know more about what the guests are up to than the guests. It's so funny. Would you like to say anything about this show to get people to tune in more than we have already? Christmas Carol, Christmas Eve, 8pm on Sky Max. Come on. What I, was, what I would like to say yes. is, I think the original that is taken from is an absolutely fantastic story and that that is followed through in a very interesting way in us. But also, and I never thought I'd hear myself saying this because I'm not a family comedian but it's for everybody and little kids could watch it and get something out of it and like elderly grumpy people like me can watch it and go oh welcome and wise so there's something in there for every for everyone so no it's just a good watch and it's family-ish and it'll and everyone can sit around and they can comment and go hmm, isn't joe brand looking attractive in this how did they manage that and all that sort of thing so yeah it's fun joe lots of love thanks for coming in thank you the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio Take it from our next guest, because he wouldn't lie to you. A smoo who is blue should not be seen dead with a smed who is red. So he says in this year's big festive animation, the smeds and the smoos on BBC One on Christmas Day. So pull a cracker and watch it fly, hun. He's our favourite and yours, Rob Brydon. Rob Brydon! <laughs> you have been done with that intro. Good morning, Rob. <laughs> that was very nice. So Mira is very late to the party. She just whispered in my headphones, she said, oh, you never see Richard Hammond and Rob Brydon riding in the room at the same time. Do you? <laughs> Should we go there, Rob, again with that one? Well, yeah, this beard. See, my joke with this beard is I'm playing the lead in the Richard Hammond musical <laughs> called I'm Always Looking Up. Isn't yes, that nice? Yes, and you have, don't you have a song from it already? Um, uh, looking at Clarkson, looking at me, what can I do, what can I say? Is it a card, is it a van? I'm your man. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Um, so everybody well-ish at home, you have smatterings of the Lurgy. You can hear Vass has the Lurgy as well. I quite like it from a voiceover point of view, Vass, you know, mm. but um, obviously, you know, your well-being comes before your, your usefulness on this show.
show. Uh, but they're one in the same. Um, who's, who's not so well at yours? Little George, who's 11. Right. He's been, oh, knocked out with something. Claire's not been well. I've not been well. You're right with the voiceover, though. There's a period on the way into <laughs> and the way out of yes. a bad throat where you sound fantastic. Yes. Mm. Very Logan Roy. Uh, Rob, you know what Rob <laughs> Bryden does? Do you know what yeah. he does? Very quietly. He oh. he backs the big ones, is what he does. <laughs> That's what he does, Sinead. And he's backed another big one. He does it all the time. Christmas Day, half past two, BBC One, Rob Bryden and Friends. Rob Bryden and Friends? Yeah. What's that? The Smeds and the Smooths. Oh, yeah. Well, That's what you're on for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's not, it's not Rob Brydon and Friends. It is in my <laughs> ears and my eyes, Rob. It's a Julia Donaldson. Every year for the last, I think, 10 years, yes. they've done the Magic Light, this fantastic company, do an adaptation of a Julia Donaldson Axel Scheffler book. So the Gruffalo, Highway Rat, Snail and the Whale, uh, Stick Man, Room and the Broom. And I've been a voice in all of them, which yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of and uh, just sort of happened, you know. And this year, it's the Smeds and the Smooths, and I am Uncle Smooth. Oh, I know you are. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> I like you say, it is the regular gang again, isn't it? Sally's there, everybody's there. Yeah, some of the... Yeah, the, uh, Bill Bailey's in it, I think, this year. He's good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've not seen it. Have you seen oh, it? Oh, yeah, it's like I watched it last night. Oh, OK, they've not shown it to me. No, it's um, really good, honestly. It's a lovely film. I mean, I see... When I recorded it, which was about a year ago, you see a very rough animation. But even those, they can be kind of charming because the storytelling is still there. Yeah, yeah. So I saw it in that. It's a very lovely, lovely story about coming together, putting aside differences, finding a common ground, which sounds topical, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? The Smeds and the Smooths. It's very, um, what's his name? Grinch guy. Oh, um, Dr. Seuss. It's very that, isn't it? I know it's Julia, of course it is. Yeah. Uh, but it's very, it's very um, Dr. Seuss, and I, you know, no, no worse for it. The Smeds and the Smooths, and of course, because they have to, they have to achieve mutual redemption. First of all, they have to be set against each other, like two two sort of ferocious packs in some kind of rugby international. And there is often a dividing line within the animation. Yes, Chris, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Speaking as someone who hasn't seen it, I can agree with that. <laughs> So yes. funny, because you could interview me about it and I would well, know more. You tell me about it. Does it build nicely and is it good at the end? It's great, it's great. And what they do is they spend the first 15 minutes, um, so they have... They have they have one thing like the Smeds never play with the Smooths and yeah. the Smooths never dance with the Smeds and, and they eventually they run out of things to have disagreements about yeah. because that's the thing isn't it when somebody isn't really being themselves if you keep on with that then they, have, they run out of road because they've only sort of written whatever it is they're supposed to be to a certain extent in their heads you know what I mean by that, that I think so I, and, and that's what's because they're not re they don't really not like each other they really in the end hey Vassos has just handed me on his phone yeah. the Smeds and the Smooths I am now watching it for the first time <laughs> I can't hear it, but it's, it looks fantastic. Well, no, turn it up. Turn it up. Go on. We can turn Go on, it up. Bassi. Turn it up. This is, this is funny. This is a first. The star of the show watching the show whilst on another show to talk put, about I'm going to put my glasses on so okay, I can really enjoy this. Where did you get those from? Did you? Yeah. Interesting. Very good day, you know. <laughs> and Specsavers get two sets of frames for just 69 See, I can't really hear very well at the moment. Do they, can you help me out with that at all? Our trained audiologists. <laughs> Go on. Oh, this looks good. They're slurping tea in case you're interested. Oh.
It might be a while before there's dialogue. Yeah, I don't know is. how you it's want to go. Uh, Sally pretty pretty much smashes it for the first five minutes, yeah. and then I think Bill opens up. Yeah, yeah. yeah and anyway. then then Uncle Uncle Smoo comes on, and oh, everything changes. Oh, he comes. Everything changes, but you. <laughs> it's a game changer. I mean, uh, well, how else do? Uh, what, what else can I ask you about it if you've never seen it? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all they're all they're always good. Uh, I mean, they're, they're more than the good. They're always have, the great. The ones you have seen. The one, no, the ones I've seen, and they're always on on Christmas Day. It is sort of lovely, and um, I've always had a thing about. I quite like being on something at Christmas. It's quite reassuring, you know. At the end of the year, you go, "Oh, I'm still here," you know. I'm st- I'm still on something, and and it's on Christmas Day, which is a nice way to end the year. No, but you people love you. We did. We were having this chat earlier on on the show. I know you listened to the show. Thanks so much for listening to the show as regularly as you do. But we were talking about national treasures, and we think we think we've cited the youngest ever. UK national treasure, and we think it's Rylan Clark, and he's, <laughs> he says he's 33. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give him anything under 40. Uh, but even so, he will still be the youngest ever national treasure. But we, we, we all decided, it was unanimous, um, you know, and the jury, they weren't out that long, were they? That Rob Brydon is a national treasure. You are a nailed-on national treasure. I, 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 People I, I, love you. I don't think that's the case. What did, um, what did Alan Carr call his tour region? Trinket. <laughs> I, did he? Did, I think he called his tour that, which I thought was I thought was so Alan, wasn't it? It was so Alan. Rob, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thank you so much. Merry great Christmas, to you again. Chris. Thanks for the show. Oh God, thanks for everything. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. All right, you tinsel-tastic, lovely bunch of people. We've heard from a load of incredible guests already, but still to come, the acting and brilliance of James Purefoy gives us the lowdown on his brand-new eight-part, very steamy, very racy, very saucy BBC2 drama Marie Antoinette. The sublime Sally Lindsay lifts the lid on the second series of Channel 5's brilliant The Madame Blanc Mysteries with Jean White. And director and activist Trudy Styler tells us about her latest documentary, Epoisi Napoli, and then there is Naples, and her brand-new podcast, Spot. Mark Hunter. So let's get right back to it. Vassos, who's next? He is a brilliant British actor we last saw wearing waterproofs, but he swapped fishermen's friends for fancy French finery in the lavish Marie Antoinette on BBC Two and iPlayer from next Thursday. So let them eat cake while we enjoy a slice of the delicious James Purefoy. James, hello. Good Welcome morning, to the breakfast good morning, show. Good morning, good morning. It's so lovely being it's here. It's great, again. isn't it? Yes. I love being out at work over the Christmas period. It's it just lovely. Oh, I, it's I, I came up to town yesterday because I live in Somerset. Oh, so Christmassy London. It is. It's, oh, it's, it's just glorious. The kids, wide-eyed, yes. going around the West End. We went to see the Nutcracker yesterday Did at you? the Royal Ballet. How good? Oh, just, you cannot get a more festive <laughs> treat than that. <laughs> Off the chain. Listen, you, what are you doing to us with this programme? We all watched it last night. Marie Antoinette, James Purefoy. I was there, I got my laptop out. So it's going to be a nice little, you know, bit of period class before I go to sleep. And indeed it was, but there was so much else well, to to dive yeah, into I'm, and enjoy. I'm sure you're probably referring to there probably are one or two racy moments, aren't there? Well, there's but so much going on. They're, they're barking mad, clearly. There's yeah. subterfuge going on. There's Austria versus France in the living room. That's yeah. all going on as well. Yes. You don't know. There's the... Who's the uh, the schemer, the, the scarlet schemer, the, 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 the king's whore? Yeah. Oh, dear. That's well, what the, she, the lovely Madame de Barry. But, yeah, but that's what she says. She says, you know, it may yeah, well she, be but, the king's you know, whore. But the, he had a lot of lady friends. He had a lot of lady friends. He had 
it all going I mean, a on? A lot of lady all right. friends. <laughs> Were you aware of of all these shenanigans before you you dived into the part? No, not really. And I don't think I don't think a lot of people are. I think, I and that's one of those wonderful things when you look at something like this. It's a chance to look through the keyhole at the maddest royal family you could ever. Is that right? Yeah, they yeah. felt. I mean. When you're born in Versailles and you die in Versailles and you live most of your life very closeted away from society, you know, this isn't a royal family that go and open a care home or a railway station or go and meet people. They're just there in Versailles hunting. And as far as as I could see, just doing a lot of lady fun in the afternoons. They are doing lots of lady fun and gentleman fun in the afternoons. I mean, just extraordinary. They bring their horses into the drawing room, for yes. heaven's sake, and they poop all over the floorboards, and then some poor underling has to sort that out um, <laughs> while they carry on having, again, you know, hijinks whenever, wherever, with whomever they feel. Yeah, that's a precise idea. He had a house on the grounds in Versailles. Right. He was terrified, Louis, like a lot of the kings, of of getting any sexually transmitted diseases. Mm. I know this is early, but this is absolutely true. And so he would keep, I can only say, a stable of, of ladies in this house that were guaranteed not to have any sexually transmitted diseases. Because of a particular Yeah, because condition. he just didn't... He, because if you caught it then, you were you were finished. So this is 1755-ish is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's right, exactly. The last one, really, we concentrate for, for my character the last sort of five years of his life. Right. Uh, he was on the throne for 59 years. Uh, and uh, and about 15 years later, of course, there was the French Revolution. So that was just around the corner. No wonder, by the way. Well, no wonder. I mean, really, little surprise there. You look at them and you go, really? Was that a surprise? Yeah, OK. Coming at you down the line? Enough of those royals. <laughs> but this is it is like the crown for 1755, isn't it? It is, and so many interesting things about it. I found, for example, I found that one of his children had died when they were two, when he was two. This little boy had died when he was two. And I couldn't find out why. Why has he died? And you find, and then eventually, I just really dug deep in the research, found this extraordinarily sad story that the nuns would look after the young kids. And these nuns would go to a cemetery in Saint-Denis in Paris. There was a uh, saint's grave. They would take bagfuls of earth from that grave back to Versailles. Then they would mix a handful of earth with the boy's porridge every day. No way. And then he died of organ failure. No way. Really? I mean, just extraordinary. The kind of things that were going on yeah. in that palace at that time are bizarre. I know. I get it completely. And look at the episode titles. Um, there are eight to choose from. So episode one, The Slap. Episode two, Rival Queens. Episode three, Pick a Princess. Episode four, Queen of France, by the way. Episode five, Rebel Queen. Episode six, De et Machina. Mm-hmm. Episode seven, the ostrich bitch. Ooh, Episode eight, ouch. Queen of Hearts. I mean, they don't pull any punches. No, this they is don't. the BBC for heaven's sake. This is, however, written by an extraordinary writer called Deborah Davis. She wrote a film called The Favorite uh, that Olivia Coleman won the Oscar for. So she knows her onions. And, um, she knows her regal onions. She certainly does, and, and you know she will have done a huge amount of research into this, into this period, and into these people's lives. And uh, she'll be giving up her take on it. And it's it comes very much. I think it's a feminist take in it, in the sense that Marie Antoinette was only fourteen when she arrived in the court of, of Louis from Austria. From Austria, she'd been married. Check this out: married uh, by proxy which means that they send someone to Austria, they marry, that person marries her, 
in Austria. Right. So that she is supposedly, inverted commas, married by the time she comes back to Paris. And then they have a second wedding. To the actual person. To the actual person, which is my grandson, who turns out to be Louis the Sixty. All right, um, Sinead, my grandson. give us your hot take that. on it. It's only been, it's less than 24 hours since we all watched this hottest of shows. Yes, no, I absolutely loved it. And I, I don't really know the story of Marie Antoinette I so didn't much. I either, to be honest. So that's, that's kind of like... Because she's much quoted, well. isn't she? But we don't yeah, know much about her. Yeah, we know, like, let them eat cake. Didn't and, say it. She didn't say it. Didn't even say that. Well, oh, okay. Let them well, eat gâteau. <laughs> gâteau, probably. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> mange, tout le monde mange le gâteau immédiatement. There is a... Pain au chocolat. Oui. <laughs> Merci. It's an absolutely heartbreaking moment, which apparently is a very famous thing, so it's not a huge spoiler, about the pug. Her little dog. She's oh, not allowed yeah. to keep. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to keep. She was. She was. She. She was barely allowed to bring anything with her at all yeah. to Paris. And she didn't know the rules and the etiquette. And uh, I think she starts to feel a bit lonely at the beginning, doesn't she? Yeah, does that sound familiar? Didn't know the rules. This oh. is the etiquette. massive. Marie Antoinette, <laughs> beginning Thursday, 29th of December, 9pm BBC Two, with all episodes then on iPlayer. If the Sopranos did period dramas. Well, yeah, that's what we're talking, this. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's if really su- exactly If like Succession that. did period dramas. It is incredibly beautiful If The White Lotus did period dramas. Yeah. That's what we're talking, yeah? <laughs> yeah. If, um, oh, what's that? Um, uh, Triangle of Sadness did period dramas. Have you seen that, by oh, the way? Oh, my goodness How me. great is that film? Oh, good. That film How is so good. How good is that good. film? How great are you, James Pilfoyne? Oh, Happy Christmas you, to you Evans. and yours. You do this every day. Yeah. But it's always different. Where'd you get that? What, my jingles? Yeah. I don't know. I've got a, I've got a spare, actually. Yeah. I call this one William and this one Harry. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Our next guest has made the curious decision yes. to write, produce and star in another series set in a beautiful, sun-drenched French village. Yeah, why would you do that? Why would you want know. to do that? I series two of the Madame Blanc Mysteries begins with a Christmas special tomorrow at nine on Channel 5 and it's every bit as good as you'd expect from the brain and brilliance of Sally Lindsay. Hi, hey, Sally! Hello, darling. Look at you. How are you? A ray of sunshine. <laughs> I can't believe I'm the only person in my family not ill. Everybody's really? got, everybody's ill, and I'm lurgy? like, lurgy, yeah. Not not COVID. No, 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 no. Totally fine. We're all clean. Yeah, yeah. Tested, but uh, no, it's it's just like good old fashioned colds. I oh, know people are being laid very low, aren't they? You so know, did you have your works due yesterday? No, we didn't have our works due. Oh. So we're working with Cinch next week. The car, um, the car. Oh yeah, yeah, company, yeah, yeah. Um, who are just brilliant. The more you find out about how they go about the business, it's so complicated. It's so simple for us. Because it's so complicated, but you bought a car from some. I did, um, but we went out for we had a we had a work a working lunch. <laughs> More lunch I mean, than working. Speaking of naughty elves, I mean, apparently the Sinch elves were quite naughty. So was he. Well, I've heard. It's Chris Evans. I've heard stories. He wasn't, wasn't it? I know. Well, they disappoint. They'd be disappointed, wouldn't exactly. they? Exactly. I'd be terribly disappointed. We've never what's done what's it. What's happened to him? We've never done it. We should, <laughs> this time we need to do it. This um, time. Listen, let's talk about this brilliant show of yours, the Madame Blanc Mysteries. Um, we're heading towards season two with a seasonal opener, a Christmas special. Yeah. Um, would you like to frame? We've all watched it. Would you like to frame it for us? What yes. So basically, Jean comes back. It's eight months later. She's yeah. very settled in Saint Victoire. She loves it. She's, Why is she there? How? So, so she was there yeah. to start with yeah. because um, what happened? Uh, she had a lovely little antique shop in the northwest, yep. and uh, she's married to a lovely man. And he unfortunately died on a shopping trip, an antique shopping trip back from France in the first episode of the last series. But she discovered in that that he um, basically was living a double life. He had another woman, and. He 
Vicky had um, he'd mortgaged all her money away. So she had to fly over to San Victoire, this little French village, and find out what's going on. Also, there was a ring missing that he was he was travelling back, which was a lot of money, and that went missing. So therein lies our mystery. And then we started the mystery of the Madame Blanc mysteries, and and that happened last season. So that was all great. So you can get that on catch up, I think, if yeah, you, yeah. if you if you want to catch up. Channel five. Channel five. My five. Yeah. And then uh, we start with Jean's decided to stay in San Victoire, and it's eight months later, and she's quite settled. She loves everyone. Looking forward to her first Christmas, and then she gets a call saying, um, off off a police officer called Richard, who says, look, look, my boss, my boss, Caron, is um, accused of murdering his wife. So that's our first scene, is that his wife gets murdered. Yeah, yeah. And there's a knife in a Christmas ball. There's a pre-titles bit before that, though, isn't there? There's a bit before that, Which yeah. Which is, is very important, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, she sort of, she gives him a, a present. She gives Caron a present. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then we see, um, yeah, we see him, uh, he's, him and his wife really hate each other. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they really hate each there's other. All, they've got all the motives. They've got all the motives. Yeah, all so, the motives. to be honest, everybody thinks he's done it. So, it's up to Jean to sort of solve the crime. Okay. So, they're, they're in. But also, on the other side, we've got another story line where Don, Jean's friend, his uncle comes to stay, played by the amazing Tony Robinson. Yeah, well, he's in the first scene, isn't he, after the titles? Yeah. we got him. I'm like, I can't believe I know. Is he, he sticking around then or not? Is oh, he... he is now, <laughs> whether he likes it or not. <laughs> but the thing is, once you seduce your fellow actors, your thespians, to be in one of your shows and they go and see this wonderful place that you seem to have parachuted into, which isn't in France, is no, it? No, it's not. It's not. Um, it's a complete lie. Why would they ever leave? What? Well, we do have fun. You can imagine. <laughs> like, like this show, it's the same kind of atmosphere. We do have a nice time and, and it's it comes, you know, it just I just don't like working in an atmosphere where there's any pressure and there was loads of pressure because it was like it was 40 degrees because we had to film in August and January and and, uh, July because of the Christmas special so you know the way we you know had to have it edited by so it was ridiculous and these people just turned up and these amazing leads I got and all the all my mates who just came in had a bit of a holiday boiling sweating on set changing shirts it was a nightmare but we all had a brilliant time yeah so you know and i hope that spills over in the series but this tell. one's a little bit tighter it's a little bit you know um we're a bit excited about i mean this it's one. gruesome but it's warm <laughs> do you know what i mean i know it's all it's really nice and sort of cuddly and then but there's I think it's sort of a throwback from my, my loves of, you know, sort of these amazing things like Jonathan Creek and uh, Pie in the Sky and May Grey back in the 90s. And I think I'm, and Lovejoy, obviously, completely ripped off. And I just really feel that um, I just, you know, that that's my kind of telling. That's why I like to watch. So I sort of made it, basically. We've got to go. We're out of time. OK. You're awesome. You're Thank awesome. you. And, and so are you. The Man of Blanc Mysteries are back, back, back. Season two kicking off with a Christmas special tomorrow night on the 22nd of December, Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. Um, <laughs> 9 pm on Channel 5. And you can catch up on my vibe with the whole of the first series. You're awesome, Sally. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Pass over to you. She has been winning at this business called show since she made her TV debut in the 70s. Her latest gem is a brand new podcast series starring Mark Rylance and Rebecca Ferguson. Episode 7 of Spark Hunter is out tomorrow, so please welcome Madly. Deeply, Trudy Styler. Nice, fast. <laughs> morning, Trude. Good morning. Good morning, Team Chris. Well, it's lovely to be back. How are you? 
I'm very well, <laughs> thank you. And you? That's great, yeah, fantastic. It's amazing how much magic one little um, exchange over a posh drink can um, create, isn't it? And the biggest magic is yeah. how we sleep better. We do, um, yeah, because we've exchanged little sleeping hacks, uh, Trudy and I. More of that in a bit. But first of all, Spark Hunter is so good. It's not really my thing, I've got to say, Trudy, but it's awesome. Um, frame it for us, if you don't mind. Where did it come from? Um, because one of, the, one of the protagonists involved in the whole production has insider knowledge of the subject matter. OK, um, so do you want me to pitch it or yeah. do you want me to tell you the... Yeah, imagine you haven't made it yet and you want us to give you the money. There you go, boom. All right. So Assumptuous, uh, we're in 2044 right. in New York City. Okay. A sumptuous dinner is taking place in a restaurant mm -hmm. between an AI maker and his bot, a female bot. Entire conversation is being recorded by government operatives and the president himself of the United States. And the issue is they fear that the bot has gone rogue and snipers are at the ready to take her out. Um, her existential crisis is one that every human being ponders. What are we doing here? <laughs> Not at the restaurant, in life. <laughs> just, just that small question uh, to, to address. And so wonderfully and so um, intriguingly. So Mark Rylance is in it. Rebecca Ferguson uh, appears as well. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, Charles Dance. Yeah. Um, Linda Powell, mm -hmm. actually, who plays uh, one of the operatives, who's Colin Powell's daughter, uh, and Richard E. Grant. And uh, my husband, Sting, has a cameo role called The Veiled Man. Uh, Elliot Sumner is also in it. Uh, nothing like a bit of nepotism. Well, we did it during lockdown, yeah. so we were short of actors. Um, and the rest of the of the cast were actually recording remotely in their closets in the, wherever they were New York in the United States. Um, so KB Miller, uh, who exec uh, produces, um, has experience as principal investigator on an AI project for the U.S. Department of Defense. Yes. So he, so um, Kenneth. Um, uh, really knows his onions when it comes to AI and has done uh, stuff with the government that he's, he doesn't really talk about too much. But um, he and uh, um, Teresa Tani are, are related. They're both um, descendants of Andrew Carnegie, in fact, and, um, and they're very good writers. And so the project was given to Mark as a starring vehicle. And um, Mark... Um, uh, for a wonderful reason that goes back to us uh, doing a show together at the Globe where I directed a, um, a fundraising evening um, for the Dalai Lama. Mark remembered how f fun the show was and how great and said, and knows of my interest in uh, the environment, uh, so said, uh, I'd like Trudy to direct. So. so isn't it funny, you obviously, you know, committed and uh, very much, uh, you know, a, a supporter of everything to do with our beautiful planet. But therefore, you know, if AI is around, which of course it is, to not be interested in that as well, which, you know, on the surface may seem sort of, uh, sort of, uh, counterproductive would be remiss because the two go hand in hand. That's where we are. We are part of nature and we invented AI. And what's interesting about this for me is I didn't realise that, you know, if AI, it's so difficult for AI to become more intelligent than us, isn't it? It's so much more difficult than some of us fear for now. 
it, it may be for now, but for now in the AI world is really algorithms are, are just developing so fast that the, the fear in this, and I guess the fear for a lot of people is, you know, are, are, could they be a force for evil and end us all? Or um, I don't know if you've heard... Um, Yuval Noah Harari's um, Two Million Years in Two Hours, his podcast also speaks of, you know, maybe that they're our saviour, maybe that we could all get a sidekick robot to be our <laughs> our consciences yes. and sort of talk us into super consciousness. better, exactly, super consciousness, really talking us into better choices. So algorithmically, they're already already way ahead of us because their capacity is much bigger than ours. And that's why we fear uh, our smart devices overwhelming our kids at such a sort of early neuroplastic um, uh, moment in their lives or neuroplasticity when, you know, when the half of their brain turns to mush and then can then be reprogrammed by whatever they're getting most of. And they get so much of that. And we defer that issue to our kids because we're too scared to admit that it's also on our doorstep as well. But the in, that's not intelligence, is it? That's information. Will they ever be able to decide things like we can or imagine things? Because, you know, the thing that sets us apart, there are three things, aren't there? Imagination, memory and linguistics. Will they ever be able to think? You know, and you, what, have, what have you gleaned from your involvement in this? Well, our bot, played by Rebecca so beautifully, is really, um, she's been implanted with her own thoughts. And I think that's what makes her a bot who's not only got singularity, so sort of thinks on a human level, but she's surpassed it because she um, she has empathy. She's empathic. And she's even empathic to people who do her down or who are mean to her, as you'll see if you listen here, if you listen to the podcast. And so she feels people she feels their pain so if if they're giving her a hard time rather than be reactive and aggressive she feels that they're coming from a wounded place and i think that that's maybe something that uh, at the moment algorithmically it, it it isn't there and certainly when we look at raising our kids with um with their devices what what really is going on in their empathic systems yeah. i think this is an interesting spark hunter Episode 7 out tomorrow via all podcast platforms. And uh, it's an amazing story um, of of AI becoming more human, more worrying or acceptable. We don't know. And therein lies the dilemma. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Good. (laughs) You nailed it. It's brilliant. I I listened to it in the sauna um, over the weekend. It was great. And I I had the lights off. So it was, perfect. It was, it was even like, Whoa, what's going on here? Trudy, thanks for coming in. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to see you. Great Lovely to see, to see you. Nice to see you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, here he is. The one, the only, terrific, tinseltastic Tom Kerridge. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Chris. Hello, Tom. Good morning, Bassos. How are we, guys? Oh, Tom, we're fantastic. Listen, thanks, first of all, for what you did a couple of weeks ago um, in your fantastic shed with lovely Chris, uh, once again, hosting some auction winners with brilliant Rob Bryden and Tom O'Dell and Ricky Wilson, too. Thank you, thank you, thousand thank yous tom carriage it was amazing. honestly what a brilliant what a, what a bunch of lunch guests that was i mean you can't if you can put a fantasy lunch table together that was exactly it, it was brilliant yeah and the auction winners always stay for supper <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they do they, they they do have it it goes on into the evening doesn't it yeah 
absolutely. <laughs> so listen, um, it's Tom Carriage versus all comers this morning. You ready for this? Yes. Okay, so Phil Vickery is on this morning this morning and he's doing three-way Brussels sprouts. Off you go. Come on. Three-way Brussels sprouts. Yeah, can you beat three-way Brussels sprouts? Sorry, did you faint then or something? What happened then, Tom? (laughs) I I thought you were waiting to tell me that Phil Vickery's three ways of doing Brussels sprouts. Well, no, I'm not going (laughs) to... He's got enough oxygen airtime on this morning this morning. Yeah, I was like, Phil Vickery's doing sprouts three ways. I mean... First, I like to do them in a wok. So I like to, like, pan-fry them oh, in a wok. Oh, it's already good. It's already good. So, so they're and, you know, it's been a massive thing the last couple of years, but you know those lovely crispy chilies that come in that lovely chilli oil that you sprinkle over the top? Told you. Those yes. with sprouts, absolutely delicious. There's the classic one, bacon and chestnuts, just cooked in a load, a load of butter. Mm. And then there's a lovely way of doing it, curry. Like curry powder and sprouts. What? Absolutely amazing. Honestly, I tell you, the flavour is fantastic. And then great over the top, some Parmesan cheese. All right, hang on. So, 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 so take us through that one, uh, step by step. How would you do that? So you get your sprouts. What do you do next? Yeah, cut them in half. Don't do the little crossing in the, in the bottom. You don't need to do that anymore, right? Cut them in half. Butter in a pan. Yep. Get the butter really kind of like uh, get nut buttery. Then start toasting. Put the sprouts in, throw them out, and then just put a little sprinkling of curry powder over the top loads of salt and pepper and keep tossing them a little bit of smoked paprika and as they're just beginning to soften great over a load of parmesan cheese oh Absolutely my goodness me. that sounds that i've never heard that before when did you I, discover I, these I, 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 i've actually done them for one of the books they're absolutely oh, delicious wow. and then i'll tell you what i'll beat phil vickery we'll do it a fourth way we'll do sprite four ways we'll do them with cream so you reduce cream down by about two-thirds so it goes really thick and bubbly Slice all your sprouts very, very, very thin, okay? Like, it's called a chiffonade in a kitchen, but I would wear just thinly sliced and throw them into the cream raw, stir them around, and they'll soften and cook so you get cream sprouts as well. Yeah, so Phil Vickery might not be on this one this morning because Tom Courage has just eaten him for breakfast, <laughs> is what he's done. See, that's what I want. I want you to come out fighting, Tom. Finally, Tom is, Tom is in the game. Here we go. All right, so... Next up, yeah, Tom, Tom Carriage versus All Comers. Okay, next yeah. today in the sun, Jamie Oliver's tastiest Christmas dinner. Cover your bird in bacon bits. We'll talk about that in a moment or two. But he does crispy layered potatoes over roasties. Crispy layered potatoes over the top of roasties. No, as I suppose. Sorry, sorry. Instead of roasties. So what um, are you doing? I, I mean, that's an end there, right there. You have the, the alarm bells going off. You can't do he's layered potatoes instead of roast potatoes. He, and he's, potatoes. he's getting I up too early. He's an amazing chef. He's a brilliant human being. He's fantastic. But he's lost the plot there. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> Honestly, you, you can't have a roast Christmas dinner without roast potatoes. Exactly. Can you imagine putting down layered potatoes for the family now? Honestly, that he's, would cause world he's war. He's spending That'd too much time than, in America. That's what it is. I know, that would be worse than letting Grandad win Monopoly. Come on, it's like it would be cause all sorts of nightmares. Jamie Oliver's lost the plot with layered potatoes. Right, there. okay. And so say all of us. Uh, by the way, uh, like you, I love Jamie like a brother, but clearly he needs to get some more sleep um, or <laughs> lay off the pre-breakfast cocktails. So give yeah. a, give us Tom Kerridge's roast potatoes. Go. Right, so normally the best way of doing them is cooking them all the way through in salted boiling water. Okay, so but on a gentle simmer, not on a big boil. Don't do that thing where you drain it, put the lid on, and then shake the pan. Gently lift them from the salted water and put them onto a cake rack, okay, so they can steam dry. Oh. And that steam drying process means that they crack. 
okay, all around the outside. Then put into the oven, preheated oven, a tray with a thick layer of oil. And I use just straight standard cooking oil, not goose fat or duck fat because it might be a little... I just want the potato to be crispy. Veg oil. Then once the potatoes have dried, you can put them into the tray. Don't pack them in too tightly because that will create steam. And then you're almost... You're pretty much like roasting and frying them together in the oven. And they're guaranteed super crispy potatoes and lovely. Another way of doing it is if you want to is dust them with a little bit of polenta over the top as well. That helps to give them a coat of uh, like extra, extra crispy. Tom, that is, I've never heard that before. I've known you for ages. So it's not, we're not parboiling, we're boiling them through. Yeah, we're cooking them all the way through and then you gently lift them from the water with a slotted spoon and put them onto a cake rack to leave them to dry. And it doesn't matter if they go cold, it's, it's no worries, it's no right. stress because you've got to put them into hot oil and you roast them in that hot oil and it gives them, that makes them crispy because you're not worried now about cooking the potatoes because they're already cooked. Interesting. So all you're essentially doing now is just crisping them so you can concentrate on making them like, you know, when they give that lovely kind of glassy crisp on the outside, they look amazing. I wondered how, how you did that. So, and that. so that's how you get the really sort of glassy exterior and the really soft interior. That's exactly it, Chris. Wow. Yeah, that's the best way of doing it. Not, slice, not slicing them and doing a tray bake. What is going wrong with Jamie? I'll tell you. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, crumb all you faithful, Jamie, for heaven's sake. Come on now. Well, uh, Tom, thank, I know you didn't. You, you weren't scheduled to come on today. I just wanted a bit of your magic today because um, you've given us the, the, you know, you've given us the sort of uh, the holy trinity of what we need to do on Christmas Day there. So thanks so much. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. It's Will pleasure. I be seeing you later? Yeah, we can, yeah, I'm floating about later on. Are you, are you coming to the pub? What do you think? It's Friday. Yeah, we'll yes. see you later in the pub. All right, mate. Lots of love to you and Beth and AC. Thanks so much Thanks, for being here. Mate. Have a great Christmas. Cheers, guys. He's the best. That's Tom Kerridge here of the Hand and Flowers and the coach in Marlow and the butchers tapping Marlow and Lush and everything else that's amazing. Corinthian in um, Trafalgar Square. He's got a big place up in Manchester now. Tom Kerridge. He's the best. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Who's on the line now? I do believe it is the host of our brand new Drive Time show from January the 9th, Monday. It is Ricky Wilson. Good morning, Ricky. Good morning, Ricky. Hey, good morning, morning, morning. morning. How's, how's everyone doing? I'm Merry very, Christmas. We're all very well. How the, how's, how are the detailed and um, in-depth preparations going uh, for the 9th of January? I came in and had a photo shoot. Which yes. was fun. That was fun. <laughs> a solo photo shoot, Chris. I usually do it with four guys I know. way behind me. How did that feel? Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I didn't, I didn't have to turn. I didn't have to turn around once and say, "Can you stop talking?" Are you coming in for one of those um, uh, funny weeks where you do a pilot week the week before? You just... I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing a day. You're doing a day on the Friday or the Thursday or. The Friday, yeah, Friday. I'm excited about that. Okay, cool. That's man. when I can get that's when I can get all stuff off my chest and out of my system. All right, and then you hit the airways. <laughs> Four p.m. The brand new Ricky Wilson Drive Time Show. Um, it's your new full-time job. This is what you're doing now, isn't it? It looks like it. Yeah, unless um, <laughs> something goes horribly wrong over the Christmas period. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very exciting. I'm going to have a, a job and a boss. And, uh, and holiday pay and stuff like that. Oh, you won't get holiday pay. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> not. I've not told you that yet. Uh, all right, no, so no. Uh, listen, we've got it all going on here. Um, we have the pièce de résistance, marvellous move. She left it an hour and a, a bit. So Avastus brought his, in his homemade mince pies, which are gorgeous. The rest of the team, mini mince pies. We've got um, bite-sized sausage rolls. We've got the games going on here. And then Mira, she just brings out... Look at it here. We have the... the uh, what would you call those? What would you call it? It's a cocktail... 
hedgehog, isn't it? What is it? Cocktail hedgehog. We got pineapple, we got olive, and we got cheese uh, cocktail sticks. Oh, I in, can see now. Yeah. In, in a, they've adjusted the camera. Oh, can you see that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all stuck in um, uh, a bisected grapefruit. An, in- wow. an inverted half of a grapefruit. It's all going on here, Rick. Like 1978 over yeah. there. If you want to start a couple of weeks early, today's your day, mate. Today is your day. Okay. Well, I started on Tuesday morning. That's when I started feeling Christmassy. Well, it's, it's happening now. What Everyone's descending today. What happened? What happened on Tuesday? Oh, what happened? I just well, You know when you just wake up and you feel an overwhelming Christmasiness? Yes. Yeah, it's marvellous, isn't it? All right. Um, how many trees do you have? Three. Three trees. Okay, where are they? One in the living room, presumably. What? One's behind me in the uh, living room slash kitchen. Yeah. One's in the posh room that we don't go in until Christmas Day. Nice. And then we don't go in again for 364 days. I love it. And uh, one, this sounds posher than it is, is in the library. <laughs> it does sound posh. How come it's not as posh as it sounds when you do have a library and there's a tree in there? Uh, I guess it is as posh as it, it sounds. It is yeah. really posh. It's, it's so cool, Ricky. There's nothing wrong with that, mate. Don't worry about hence, that. Hence, hence I'm taking a job, full-time job. Yeah, OK. Do you have a wine cellar? Uh, no, we couldn't afford that. All we right. wanted one of those. Have you seen those ones where it's like a spiral staircase? That's what I meant. Down. There's a name for yeah. those, aren't there? I can't remember what they're called. Um, they're, yeah. they're pretty cool, though. They usually have a Glorious. sort of a glass top so you can see inside yeah, they of them. Yeah, we, we, we wanted one of them. Well, I, I wanted it as a panic room. But, but... <laughs> what a place to panic. Um, right. <laughs> and are you hosting Christmas dinner at yours? We are, yeah. Everyone's coming down today. There's going to be ten of us. Yes. That's a big one, isn't it? Nice. It's my first, my first one in London, which is going to be weird. All right. And who's in charge of cooking? Uh, Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorraine, my mother-in-law. Nice. But I'm helping. I think I'm in charge of roast potatoes, which I like being. It's, 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 it's a big responsibility because it's the best bit. But I've had a practice run last weekend. All right. Ricky Wilson's roast potatoes. How do you do yours? Uh, in the same way that Michael Caine does them. Not Michael Caine, the chef. Michael Caine, the, uh, the, the the superstar. He once did a, an interview where he said how he did roast potatoes, and I've done them the same way ever since. OK. I do believe we may have that audio, because I think we played it out a few times. Really? He starts with cold oil. He doesn't put them in hot oil, which is strange. But, and you always need an acid in there as well, I find. And the lemon juice or, or a balsamic vinegar. OK. And do you bash them up? Do you agitate them? To... I agitate Well, I, I parboil. Yes. Then I shake yes. in the pan when they're dry. Then I put a tablespoon of flour on them. Yeah, very good. Or semolina. Either will do. All right, okay. And then I put them in cold oil with balsamic vinegar, rosemary and salt. Ricky, happy Christmas. Thanks for everything you've ever done for, to help us with our charities. Uh, the last thing we did was a lunch together a couple of weeks ago. That was ace. That went gangbusters. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Oh, it's, uh, yeah. Tom Carriage's shirt, of course. Um, yeah. Happy Christmas to you and yours, especially the little ones. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm leaving it at that, Ricky. But it's your most special Christmas. I've never heard you refer to mine. My uh, nether regions that before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ricky Wilson, brand new host, full-time regular host of the Virgin Radio Drive Time Show from 4pm, Monday, January the 9th. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much for listening to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast. The team and I will be back in January bringing you more best bits, so don't forget to subscribe. But more importantly, have a fantastic Christmas and hopefully the happiest and most positive start to the new year. Ta-da. Sorry. Ta-da! Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da! With bells on goodbye, stay safe, we love you.